Hello everyone, welcome to David's Stories. First, I would like to tell you that I was not able to release a new episode this, uh, this past Monday because I went to the dentist and I got new wires for my braces and I also got a rubber band that goes around my braces and it doesn't allow me to speak very well. I just didn't think I was going to be able to record the podcast since my mouth was also very sensitive. And it's been also, I think, about eight months since I released the first episode of On The Go. And so for eight months, I have been releasing a new episode constantly. And I believe this, this is going to be our last episode of the series. I have one guest that I recorded a podcast with, but I will not be able to release the podcast in this series because the day when we did the podcast, it was very windy and the wind uh, messed up out the audio, which is something that I should have been aware of. But I am grateful to have had the opportunity to interview everybody that I did. And I'm very happy that you all stuck with me throughout this time in the podcast. In today's episode, I will continue to release our podcast with Tone. And it is an honor for me to have him on the podcast. Some of the topics that he will be talking about in this episode is how he treats himself after a competition, show, and what it takes to become a bodybuilder. I feel like this conversation with Tone dives well into the topic of what a healthy body, mind, and spirit can be. So I highly recommend you all to listen to this podcast. After a show, I would like to know a little bit. After a show, how would you treat yourself after being done with, with the show? As an example, I'll use wrestling a little bit of how wrestling works. So in wrestling, we cut weight to go to the competition. But after the competition is over, everybody goes out to eat. And how, how would you go about that? Oh, real similar like that. When I diet down for a show, I got... You know, my wife cooks me all the the goodies, cookies, and brownies and things that I want to eat that I didn't eat for those four months. And as soon as the show's over, I'm eating whatever I want, as much as I want, probably for two or three days. I'm not good at staying out of the gym. I haven't really got that part down. So I'll be in the gym the next morning usually, but just kind of ease into it because I know that the toll that it takes to get in that good of shape, you know, you can't just pick up where you left off but the food yeah i go crazy for two or three days yeah. at least and do you feel it in the body like do you feel do you feel the shape when you breathe air like when you go can you feel it like in your body like in your air when you're breathing just how healthy you feel i can't say that i've ever like focused or been aware of like the air going to my body but just like like after a show you just i feel really good and in really good shape so i'll be every morning i'll get up and the first thing i'll do is like 
go walk. So I might do like the the Sundial Bridge up to Hilltop, uh-huh. that steep hill. I like doing that. Usually after a show, I'll do that for months until I get you know big enough to where that's not fun anymore. And how has it been for you to to balance your life with your family while you are in this career? Well, right now, I get to be really selfish because I had five sons, you know, and I raised them all into adults. My youngest son is going to be 23, and my oldest is going to be 30. And I got 24, 26, 27 in there. Um, when, when I was raising them, it was challenging, you know, and I had to do a lot of things and sacrifice things that I wanted, like bodybuilding. You know, I could go in and I could lift the weights after work. But I didn't know any other way to uh, support them or give them a better life than I had other than to, you know, work a job. So I did that, and I remember hating it, but I knew that I was doing the right thing for them, you know, getting them to a better spot. And uh, so, yeah, I just wasn't going to be that guy that just, you know, took off on their kids and took the easy way out. I, I stayed there. I did the right thing, and I raised them into adults, and then uh, – I would say at like 41, I was done, you know, with that. And they're adults and all living their own lives. And since then, I've been able to be really selfish and only do what I want to do. And that's what I do. Well, it's, it's, it's nice to know, like, how much sacrifice you actually, like, you know, like what you are doing is something that you know is, is, is in a way worth it and valuable to you because you have really... I would say worked with your family, which I think is important to give family the time that they need. Yeah. Because once you come to working in other things, you can also give the same effort yeah. to many things and expand it. That's that's a pretty good sum up or analogy right there. Like I knew if if I could do what it took to raise those kids, there's nothing that I can't do after that because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not easy to be the one where everything's on you to make happen you know you have to provide food you have to provide shelter you have to provide cars and you know they want to do things like com- compete you know activities or be in sports at school like all these things cost money and yeah i i did did all that and i got good kids yeah i can picture it and what is one of the best things that you the what, what is one of the lessons that you learned Well, you probably already answered to me this question. What is one of the lessons that you learned as you were raising your kids? Patience. I think think it takes patience to raise kids. So that's a valuable lesson that I learned, you know, by being with them. You know, you have to tell them multiple times, do this or do that, you know, and then they don't do it or they kind of do it or whatever. And it's not going to do you any good to be mad about it, you know, or be mad at them. It just... You just have to accept it and, and try and, you know, explain to them why it's important that they need to do these things. But I taught my kids how to work and how to be, you know, a, a man in a sense, you know, in my terms, like do what you say and say what you do. Don't say something and not follow through. Like if you say you're going to do something, you finish it until mm-hmm. it's done. So I, I would just say that. That patience and accountability, things that I learned being a parent, raising kids. You were, 
before you moved to Reading, you were like around the Bay Area, right? Like Sacramento. Uh, it was more like a little bit south of Modesto, south Turlock, of Modesto. Uh, Atwater, Merced. I actually grew up here in Reading, though. Uh-huh. I, I was in Reading until I was in ninth grade, and then the summer of ninth grade, I moved to Turlock with my dad. Yeah, Turlock, and that's like down close to Modesto, right? Yeah, real yeah, close, close to, to Modesto. Modesto. Uh, I, last time I was doing an interview with one of my coaches, and one of the reasons why I personally chose to go to Fresno City College in Fresno to wrestle was because that's like the capital of wrestling. That's where you find the best wrestlers. And there are guys who are Division One who never go Division One, so they have to go community college. So I am wondering if you have had an experience similar in which you have chosen a path because that's where you find the the most out of it, like that. I would say the most growth, the most challenge. Have you ever done something like that? It's probably like most of my answers to everything, but like bodybuilding teaches you such discipline and will, you know, like there's nothing promised, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you're not promised that you're going to grow into this monster if you do all these things eat the food train your hardest and all that so uh, bodybuilding just taught me a lot you, know, you could you could apply the progressive overload method to anything in your life you know if you just every day try and get a little bit better and whatever it is you will you know yeah. and, and it doesn't matter if it's business or whatever it is that you find that you're passionate about you also happen to train people, right? Uh, when you train people, what is the process be? What is the process that you take them through uh, as they come to you and they want to get better, they want to get fitter, they want to start building their body? It's all a little bit different. It just depends on you know who the individual is and where they're at and their their fitness journey. I, I really enjoy taking people that have never been into fitness or never trained or weight trained. I think there's a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors and snake oil out there, these new diets and these new training methods. Uh, for me, it's it's all the same. It's just bodybuilding, but at a beginner level. Like, the the best thing for anybody is to weight train, you know? That's the best thing for your heart. And the more lean muscle that you put on, the more fat you're going to burn, so... I think that's what everyone's after, if we're honest. You know, that's the best you could expect to to gain from lifting weights, you know, and strength training is get lean, more lean muscles that you burn more fat. And There's no magic to it. It's just consistency and, and hard work. And I, I make that very, very straightforward, you know, when I'm working with anybody. This is not going to be easy. You know, I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And you're going to feel like quitting and you're going to feel times when, you know, all this effort is, is not really doing you much good. But if you stay consistent with it and you be disciplined and do the things that you need to do, control the variables that you can control, like your training, your sleep, your food, uh, it will happen for you. It's science. It can't not, you know. Yeah. And uh, I noticed that you have tattoos. What's your story behind your tattoos? Well, I had a lot of crappy tattoos, <laughs> so all you can do is cover them with more. So that's mm-hmm. what I did. I was probably about later 30s when I, 
I realized, man, I got a lot of crappy tattoos. Not, I wouldn't say a lot, but I had to what would seem like somebody that didn't have tattoos a lot. And I just, I had a friend that I grew up with here, actually, that's a really good tattooer. And uh, I went to him and had him fix me up. But, you know, then that just, there's more of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't have any tattoos, but yeah. Yeah, if you don't have any tattoos, I would say don't get them because then you have one and you're like, oh, it's all by itself. It needs more. And yeah. before you know it, you're, you're covered. Yeah. Um, do you tend to see it as an art form? I know some people usually get them as an art form. Uh, I do. I, I like the ones I got. I picked them out. I, My buddy that, like I said, that I grew up here with Tattoo Uzi, he... He's a good drawer, and I would just give him ideas, and he'd draw it out, and I'd be like, that's great. My brother is also a really, really good tattooer. He's been all over the world, and he earns a pretty good living, a great living, actually, mm-hmm. You know, selling his artwork and tattoos to this day. Yeah, and one thing that I have to mention is that I like the the, the artwork that is in, in this gym, how, you know, how everything is designed. Um, were you in the process when you know this place was being built? Being, I was. I watched it all happen. I remember when it was just like that linoleum floor that you see right there on the mat. There was all that. Mm-hmm. This whole entire room. There was nothing else. The walls were not black. There was nothing else in here, and I, I've been here since that. So, the artwork, all the equipment, I put together by my own hand. You know, with jacks and tools mm-hmm. and i put all the equipment through the door pretty much except for the the first round of hammer strength so i had a part pretty much in the start all the way up until now and and now i'm the ceo and buying the desk most of the day but uh, i like it i i have a a strong connection to this place you know it's yeah. it's special to me a lot of people think that you know there's certain equipment that we don't have that uh, we've already paid for and is on the way. We're just waiting for it to get here. But I, I've made the best progress in my life here just because I like the place and I think it has a special special sentiment to me. Yeah, and I think it's always nice when you love the place and when you actually put in the work and you know it. You know, because I think it's something that uh, people can see when the place has been built very nice and I tend to come here and I look at it and I'm like, wow, it's really nice. I got to give credit where it's due. You know, it was Jeremy's vision, the the color scheme and, and a lot of it. He, he did that. You know, I didn't make the design or anything. Like I said, I just put a lot of the stuff together and, and helped get it going. But, uh, yeah, yeah. When you walk in here, you could feel the energy. It's, it's a little bit different than the other gyms that are in town. And when you were working, I would say the hard jobs, did you ever imagine being the CEO, the CEO of a fitness? When I was working the hard jobs, to be completely honest with you, I remember being pretty young, but you know, I had a lot of responsibility. I had a lot of kids already. I remember being 26 years old and, and telling the guy that I was working with, like, this this can't be it. This ain't it for me. You know, I'm not going to die doing this till I'm 65. So I didn't know 
what it was I was going to do. I didn't know that I'd even come this far in, in bodybuilding or, you know, the fitness industry. But I knew that I wasn't going to be working a nine to five job that I hated, you know, for very much longer. So, no, to answer your question, I, I didn't know that I would be the CEO of, of Rebel or a gym or anything like that. But I, I did know that I didn't want to keep using my back to earn money for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it's something that I always think about. Because when, when people, I mean, it's not only for younger people or someone who's in their early 20s or, or they're, you know, it's for anybody. It's like, there is something always that, there is, I'm, I lost the sentence. There is always, there is, oh, my English is not working anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there is, some, there is always something that kind of like you know that we do that we tend to hate sometimes when we get to that i try to switch the mindset of that and just try to make it love it initially when i when i'm in that place i replace it to something that i like um do you do things like that do you replace what you hate with something that you like for sure i like with the bodybuilding i I fought cardio. I hated cardio. I would never do cardio. But I've learned to love it. You know, it's just part of my life. It's something that I do, and it doesn't bother me anymore. And that's exactly what I had to do. That's an awesome mindset. You know, it's different with, you know, something that you like to do, or it's a piece of something that you like to do, or a piece of the puzzle that you know you have to execute on to get where you want to go. It's a little easier than, you know, I, I trimmed, you know, trees out of high voltage power lines for 20 years, you know, while my kids are growing up and I was good at it, but then when you're good at it and you don't like it, it's kind of not cool because the big jobs or the hard jobs that nobody wants to do, like, oh, well, he's good at it. Let's get him to do it. So you yeah. just get more of what you don't like, but that's an awesome mindset. I yeah. like that. And it's switching it and being like, I like this. I, I, I want to do this. Yeah. I do that a lot with the dishes at the restaurant where I work. Sometimes I get things that I hate to watch. Give it a wrestling move. Yes, yeah. That's what I like to do. I give it a wrestling move and <laughs> I no longer think about that. It's a wrestling move now. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, now I'm going to go to the second set of questions. Uh, can you tell a story from your life describing an experience that helped to shape your character? Hmm. That's a tough one. Uh, it might not like sound the greatest, but I, I'm, I'm grateful for growing up in a time where like, like gangs and stuff like that were very prevalent. And then the neighborhoods that I grew up in, it was survival of the fittest. So that kind of makes you mentally strong, I would say, you know, because you, you got to be tough and you got to be mentally strong or you just get ate up, you know, and you, you're the, you're the punching bag for everybody. So it doesn't sound good, but I'm, I'm grateful for that because now I know I could be anywhere, any place and I could have, my family or people I love with me and I know how to protect them where a lot of people don't, you know, and then you're just, 
you're vulnerable and you're susceptible to to certain things like i could see it coming from a mile away you know even though i don't put out that energy anymore i could still read it and, and understand it for what it is so i would say that that's something that probably wasn't you know the best thing but it's it's a an experience that i'm grateful for because i will forever be able to be in a position that you know benefits me and the people that i'm with in the sense that we're not just prey to anybody you know yes i think in a way it shows you how to stand up and how to do things so you don't fall behind and sometimes you can fall behind and then once you fall behind you know, it's kind of like this thing of the mind. If you don't react to it, it starts, you know, taking over you. You're right. Yeah. You can't just uh, suppress feelings and things like that because it'll become anxiety and anxiety will suppress long enough will become depression and depression suppressed long enough will become disease. You're, you have to take it head on and just accept it for what it is and observe and not get too emotionally involved with things, you know, everything's just an experience, uh, uh, something for you to observe and let it go, you know, whether it be good or bad, you can't have good without the bad. So you got to be grateful for the highs and the lows and the goods and the bads, or there couldn't be the other. It's like you, you don't, well, it's like you don't have a, you know, just one side, you also have this and you have to look at the way how you have to find a way how to, how to have a perspective on this and that and just kind of like think of it, which one seems to apply best to this, to this area. Sure. Um, in regards to that, I would like to ask you this question and it just came up to me and it is, what, what would you say is your philosophy? Right now? Yeah. My philosophy is the law of one. Pretty much what you put out, you're going to get back. Uh -huh. So if you want good to come back to you, you need to put out good to others. Uh, I think for me right now, with that, my philosophy is just trying to be the best version of myself that I could bring to this planet in every aspect, financially, mentally, spiritually, physically, and then trying to uh, teach people that want to, you know, go down that road as well, how to do it and talk about, you know, mistakes that I've made and just help people. I like helping people. I like helping people get better physically. I like talking to people that have been through, you know, rough divorce or breakup because I've been through that too. I don't know, just knowledge is power. And, and once you have that power, I think it's your, your due diligence to share with others, you know, to try and help them through their experiences. Well, I wanted to dive into this topic of relationships. And how did you handle relationships as you were as you as you were growing up? Like how how did you how did you I would say relationship with a partner? Like how what was your your take on that? If I'm asking the question correctly. Yeah, so you're talking about like how like throughout my life, how was my relationships like with women, like my yeah. wife or girlfriend? Yeah. Uh, well, I was married for 22 years to my kids' mom, so we met when I was 16, so I didn't have, like, a ton of relationships before that, but I, I learned a lot from that relationship, like, 
I think I've always been somebody that once just average wasn't good enough for me. I'm not saying it's bad, but I just knew that being average is was not for me. You know, I don't want to be come here and just work a job and pay bills. Like there's something something more here for me and I've always known that intuitively and I would say that I wasn't always the best partner. I'm kind of I've been called cold, you know, like I'm real easy and real good at like turning things off that don't serve me. So I guess like I would say I've I've ignore I would just ignore people, you know, like and like I said, we're we're on totally different frequencies and we had the kids and probably when my kids were starting to be teenagers, I knew like this is I'm not gonna be with this person for the rest of my life. I knew that. So I probably wasn't the best partner, but I've learned a lot and I've been married for coming up on six years now with my wife. And to her, I'm a lot better, but I'm still a lot myself. You know, like I, I'm not gonna, women, I think want to talk about things, you know, they always want to like talk about it and, and figure it out. And Mm -hmm. I think that, um, once people are upset or annoyed, there's nothing that talking's going to do to benefit either side. So I'm more of like, I'm not happy right now, or I'm a little irritated. Like, give me a timeout and let me be by myself. And then maybe we can, you know, have a better conversation. Cause I know right now I don't have anything good to offer you. Anything that I say is going to be out of anger, you know, or irritation. So I'll just shut off. But I think I've evolved into at least a decent partner. I don't know if I'm like, outstanding mm-hmm. as a partner but I, I have evolved and learned a lot from from that first marriage of 20 some years yeah and i, I think it, it's, it's always good when even if something doesn't work out or we figure we realize things along the way that we're able to catch on to them we're able to see them and then start being like okay i gotta think on this and how this is going to work next time or yeah. And just try to find a solution to that as as we kind of like continue. I'll say too on that, uh, when it was coming to an end, I in the beginning of that, I'm thinking, man, I put, you know, 20-something years into this, and it's a lot of my life, at least half, and it's failing. So that didn't really feel good. But after about two weeks of, you know, being single again, I realized that this is the best thing for me. And I, I think since then, man, I've done a lot, you know, I've, I've, I've come a long way in all aspects of my life and not saying that, uh, someone can drag you down, but they kind of can, you know, like not that anyone has control over you, but being with somebody that's meant for you and that really cares about you and supports you and your dreams is totally different than somebody that's just, not trying to do much and negative all the time. Yeah, I think that's that's true, and uh, I think that that support in 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 our dreams even comes from from the coaches and the people that we meet on uh, our day to day basis. Because well, I'm very young, yeah. and I think uh, if we may tend to have a good relationship with other people, then when you find that person. You may be, you may as well learn how to have that good relationship 
and that takes time and you know there are always going to be conflicts but if you learn how to work them out or just know how somebody goes about things just makes it better for everybody for sure man mm -hmm. I, I think you nailed it right there like you're not always going to get along that's that's unrealistic to think that you're going to have a partner or a wife or a girlfriend and you're just going to be happy with each other all the time that's just not the way it works you know it's you're two different people and there's going to be some issues and, and i think the important thing is like you said knowing enough to where you can navigate through that without having to get too ridiculous mm -hmm. in in the show we have, we always have this question and in this new series on the go uh, the question is what are you grateful for today uh, i would say the thing i'm most grateful for is that i get to live life on my terms i get to plan my day and i earn a living helping people get better with their fitness and along with that i can instill you know wisdom that i've learned that's helped me in my life spiritually mentally and yeah just that i'm able to to do that and earn money that's that's as good as it gets for me Thank you for being part of the show and for your time in Tabito Stories. Thank you, Gustavo, for having me. I appreciate you. You got a good mindset. I think this is a good thing for you. Keep doing it. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Tabito Stories and to the series On The Go. I am going to look at our next podcast and look into the audio and see if I can save anything out of the conversation and see if I can bring you another episode before I close down the series I will do my best effort at doing that and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the podcast for sharing it for everybody that allowed me to interview them And it has been a great journey and I'm very happy for what the series on the go turned out to be. Thank you.